Section 10 of Anthropology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scott Grace, Spenceport, New York. Anthropology, Book 1, by Immanuel Kant. Translated by Adolf Ernst Kroger. Section 10. Concerning the causes of the decrease or increase of our sensuous perceptions in degree. Our sensuous perceptions are increased in degree, one, by contrast, two, by novelty, three, by change, and four, by intensification. Contrast. Contrast is the putting aside of each other, under one and the same conception, sensuous representations which are averse to each other, whereby our attention is called into play. It is thus distinguished from contradiction, which is the connecting of two opposite conceptions. A well-cultivated piece of land in a desert elevates our perception of the former by the mere contrast. The noise and splendor of a court, or be it only of a large city, when compared with the quiet, simple, and yet contented life of the farmer, or a house with a thatched roof, but its rooms commodious and tasteful, such contrasts delight our eye and we love to linger over them, since they strengthen our senses. Poverty and haughtiness, however, or the gorgeous jewelry of a lady, whose washing is none of the cleanest, or, as in the case of a late Polish noble, tables groaning under luxuries and served by numerous waiters, wearing wooden shoes, such things are not in contrast, but in contradiction to each other, and one sensuous perception destroys or weakens the other, because it tries to unite opposites under one and the same conception, and this is impossible. Still, there is also a way of effecting a comic contrast and of uttering an evident contradiction with the tone of truth, or placing before an audience something evidently contemptible in the language of praise, for the sole purpose of making the absurdity more deeply felt, as, for instance, Fielding in Jonathan Wilde, or Blumauer in his travestied Eonid, and thus, for example, to make a jolly parody of a heartbreaking novel like Clarissa, with a view of strengthening the senses by freeing them from conflicts, wherein false and dangerous conceptions have involved them. Novelty. The new, which includes the rare and the hitherto concealed, revives attention, because it involves a further acquisition. Hence, our sensuous perception increases by it in strength, whereas every day, habitual occurrences deaden attention. This does not include, however, the discovery, inspection, or public exhibition of subjects of antiquity, such as we might have supposed, according to the natural course of things, to have long since been destroyed by the tooth of time. To sit upon a piece of the wall of an old Roman theater in Verona or Nismes, to have under one's hand the house furniture of that people discovered after so many years in Herculaneum from under the lava which had buried it, to be able to exhibit a coin of the Macedonian kings, or a gem of ancient sculpture, etc. All this arouses the senses of a connoisseur to profound attention. An inclination to acquire some knowledge, merely out of its novelty, variety, and hidden qualities, is called curiosity. This inclination, although it merely plays with perceptions, and has otherwise no interest in its object, deserves no censure, provided it is not extended to spying out matters which are of interest only to others. But so far as the mere sensuous impression is concerned, each morning comes to us new, 
and by the newness of its sensations, makes all the images of our senses, unless the latter are really sickly, clearer, and more vivid than they usually are in the morning. Change. Monotony. A perfect sameness in our sensations results at the end in their atony, a growing tired on the part of our attentiveness to its condition, and then our sensuous perception grows dim. Change refreshes our senses, but a sermon read off in the selfsame tone, whether shrieking or moderate, puts a whole congregation to sleep. Work and rest, city and country life, in our social intercourse, conversation and play, in solitude amusement, whether by means of novels or poetry or philosophy and mathematics, such changes strengthen the mind. It is the same vital force which stirs the consciousness of our sensations, but its various organs relieve each other in their activity. Hence, it is easier to converse for some time while walking, since the muscles of the leg, in this case, take rest one after the other, than to remain standing stiff in one and the same place in which case the muscles have to work without rest for a while. Hence also does it happen that traveling has so great a charm. It is a pity, however, that with people of leisure it leaves a blank atony behind, as the result of the monotony of home life. It is true that nature herself has ordered things already beforehand in such a manner that pain enters uncalled between pleasurable sensations, such as entertain the senses, and by this entrance makes life interesting. But to allow pain purposely to intervene merely for the sake of change, and thus to hurt oneself, to have ourselves wakened up merely to feel the pleasure of renewed dropping off to sleep, or as in Fielding's novel, Tom Jones, where the publisher of that book added a final part to it after the author's death, to introduce, for the sake of variety, the element of jealousy after the wedding wherewith the novel originally closed is absurd. For to make a state of things worse than it is does not increase the interest which the senses take in it, even in a tragedy, for an ending is not variety. Intensification to a climax. A continuous series of successive sensuous perceptions which differ in degree and of which the succeeding one is always more intense than the one preceding, has a maximum of intensity, intensio, to approach which is reviving, whereas to pass beyond it is exhausting, remissio. But the point which separates both conditions is the completion, maximum, of the sensation, and is followed as its result by impassivity and hence lifelessness. If we desire to keep our sensuous faculty alive, we must not begin with strong sensations, for they make us insensitive to those that follow, but rather deprive ourselves of them at first, or take them in short measure, in order to be able to ascend always higher. The preacher begins in his introduction with a cool exposition addressed to the understanding, which points to the taking to heart of a conception of duty and afterwards introduces into the analysis of his text a moral interest, finishing in the application with exciting all the motives of a human soul through all the sensations, which can give emphasis to that interest. Young man, deprive thyself of the satisfaction of thy senses, gaiety, luxury, love, etc., though thou doest it not with the stoical purpose of becoming able to do without them, but with the refined Epicurean purpose of having constantly in view an ever-increasing enjoyment. This stinginess in regard to the capital of thy vital senses makes thee truly richer through the postponement of enjoyment. 
even though thou shouldst have renounced the use thereof for the greatest part at the end of thy life. The consciousness of having the enjoyment in thy power is, like all that is ideal, more fruitful and far-reaching than all that which satisfies the senses, and which by thus being itself used up at the same time with that satisfaction is taken off from the sum of the whole. End of section 10. Recording by Scott Grace. Spencerport, New York.